So my goal, I'll tell you guys my goals tonight, is uh, I would like to expand our view of worship. I'd like to expand how we see worship. And getting even deeper into that, I'd like to expand our view of, of music and singing specifically. And probably the third goal and the final goal in that, and it's, this is my goal in life, is that as I expand and hopefully we can learn together, um, we talk about worship and singing, hopefully then I expand your view of who Christ is, who our Father is, who we've been created in the image of, and we leave here tonight with a greater understanding of him, uh, a greater sense of awe of who he is and the, how he's given us this gift of music and how we can use it to glorify him. And so with everything, uh, I pray that this evening at the end that I, I don't point you to, uh, to a song, to, to even singing, even though we're going to cover that, but that ultimately I have your eyes focused on Christ because there's, there's no one, and the day will come where when everybody sees the Lord in all his glory, there is no one who will not recognize who he is, and we will all be worshiping with, with all of our might. So my goal is that I know if I get, get our eyes on Christ, that worship is going to be uh, our natural outpouring. Amen? Cool. So um, before we get into it, I desperately desperately, desperately need the Holy Spirit to empower me to speak tonight, that I have something worth saying. I, I have no interest in babbling for 45 minutes. And so I am in desperate need of the Holy Spirit, and you all are in desperate need uh, to be, for him to empower you to hear. So before we go any further, let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive in. Uh, Lord, thank you. Uh, thank you for this evening. Lord, as we're going to study tonight, Lord, I thank you for the gift of music. Uh, personally, I thank you for the role that it's played in my life, how you've blessed me through it, Lord, how, you, how you've sustained me in hard times with this gift of music, God. Um, Lord, I, I enjoy it so much, and it's awesome how something I love so much, you've, you've given a gift that we can give back to you. Uh, Lord, my desire tonight is not to speak uh, from me. Holy Spirit, I, I fully trust you right now. Would you uh, use me as your vessel to to speak. Um, Lord, would you equip uh, everyone here to hear, and God, as a family, would you equip us to grow and stretch and uh, uh, take next steps together, Lord, that we would be a, a tighter family, God, that we would be unified by uh, what you're going to show us today in music, Lord, and not um, separated, but God, we would find unity in, uh, in music, Lord. So be glorified, be lifted up. My, my goal tonight, Lord, is that you are praised, uh, that all eyes focus on you, Lord. So um, I trust you. You've proven faithful, and I know you're good, God, so uh, ask you speak through me and glorify yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let me read you a quote from Martin Luther, who was a, uh, an adamant fan and proponent for, for music and for worship. He says, Music is a fair and lovely gift of God, which has often awakened and moved me to, to the joy of preaching. Music drives away the devil and makes people gay. Next, after theology, I give to music the highest place and the greatest honor. I would not change what little I know of music for something great. Experience proves that next to the word of God, only music deserves to be extolled as the mistress and governess of the feelings of the human heart. We know that to the devil, music is distasteful and insufferable. My heart bubbles up and overflows in response to music, which has so often refreshed me and delivered me from dire plagues. I can relate to that so much as I've, uh, music has walked me through hard times, that music has been in, in rejoicing times, and I think we can all relate to that similarly. Uh, I remember when I was still at Living Oaks as a youth leader, my wife and I, Katie, we were uh, driving uh, six kids up to, I think it was Hume Lake, it might have been another camp, but we're driving six kids up, and if you've ever been a driver for a youth camp, you know that the, the one thing you don't want to do, and I was unwise and I did this, you don't want to hand over controls to the radio. And they, they, go, they go wild. So we had, I was like, yeah, play whatever. I'm kind of scared, like, oh man, what did, I, what did I just open up to? But we had six kids in the car, and there's one kid, they're, they're passing around the cord, passing around their phones, they got their music on their phones, and they're blasting in our car. And we're having a great time, but one kid's playing like rock, another kid's playing rap, another kid's playing 
country. Another kid's playing this alternative weird stuff. I don't even know what it is. Another kid's playing dubstep. If you don't know what that is, like low electronic, like all our windows are exploding. Uh, and as, I, as we're doing this, it was a great time, but I noticed that these are six kids that are the best of friends, but yet it's six different tastes in music, six different opinions on what good music is, six different uh, opinions on what the soundtrack to this experience of going up to youth camp should be. And there's way more than six of us in here. And so my in everything I say tonight, my goal is not to defend what music speaks to me the most, and, and it's not to put down what music may speak to you the most. We're, uh, we all are, our reality is painted by the experience that we've had, that I've, I've liked certain types of music because I grew up with my dad listening to certain music and my mom, and so I, those memories then paint what I, what I like now, and we all have that, and it's beautiful. My, my goal tonight is not to divide in any way as we talk about music, something that we all enjoy, but my goal tonight is to, define, to find unity in our diversity, which is something that we can really learn in our culture today as we see uh, being disjointed because of our, our diversity. We should celebrate each other and the, the different tastes that we have. So as we go through this, uh, I may say some stuff, and I actually kind of pray and hope I do say some stuff that's going to push against you. Um, if any of that comes from me, John Mink, please forgive me. Uh, please come find me afterwards and, and let me know. I ask you the parts that push against you, that's the Holy Spirit, please don't be offended. And I, I gracefully ask you to take that pushing and to let the Holy Spirit push you. And as he pushes you through me, hopefully tonight, that will push you to dive into the word. That'll push you to learn and study. And like I said before, we all grow together. Uh, we should, as believers, especially in this church with the, the great senior pastor we have in Rob McCoy, is that uh, apathy is not, doesn't last long here. And so I hope that we can all grow together and be unified through this. Uh, if we're going to, oh, amen. Are we all good with that? Yeah. All right, cool. So I'll try not to be offensive. Uh, let's define terms. So if we're going to have a productive conversation about worship, we're first need to define terms so we know what we're talking about. So uh, things are happening. Um, as a, oh, is it the kids? All good. Uh, just, <laughs> youth, they always get me. Uh, so as a, with, we're going to be talking about worship. If we're going to talk about worship, we need to first define what that is. So if we look in the dictionary, the definition of worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Uh, the simple definition that I've heard, I don't know if this is word for word, but this is what always goes through my brain, is uh, worship is the true response to who God is. Is that when we see God, worship is just our, our response, a true response to who God is is that he's great and he's mighty, and that, that trickles into every area of our life. Um, in Romans 12, and by the way, did everybody get a Bible that needed one? Cool. Um, I'm going to fly through some scriptures tonight. I actually have a lot to cover, so I'm going to fly pretty fast. So uh, I'll give you the scriptures, and I'll read them. If you want to turn there, cool. If not, I have them here. I'll read them all to you. But Romans 12, 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, depending on the translation you have, that last part that says, which is your reasonable service, it can say this is your reasonable act of worship. This is something that I'm working on with the worship team right now. I'm trying to ingrain in our, our culture is that worship does not begin at, on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock and then it goes till 7.15, 7.20. Worship for the worship team doesn't begin when we step up on this platform, and then it ends when we step off. Worship is our lifestyle, that we are worshiping uh, the Father as we prepare and we practice the songs during the week, and then we worship Him as we come in here early on Sunday morning and how we treat each other and how we lift each other up as a worship team. We worship Him then during the music time. We worship Him through song. Then we worship him as we uh, pray and 
recognize the time of tithes and offerings that we are letting go of everything that this world tells us to cling on to. Then we worship as we uh, engage in a time of community that we did tonight where we all greet each other and, and, and lift each other up. And then we worship as we, we open the word. And it continues that our life should be a life of worship, that everything we do is done to glorify God, a true response of who God really is. How I treat my wife should be a true response of who God really is, and that how I treat her should be worship. How I raise my daughter should be a true response to who God really is. So that would be our definition of worship. Now I'd like to zero us in even tighter, is that I want to talk about specifically music and singing worship. And I would propose to you that uh, there's a difference. I don't, I, I don't think it's responsible for us to not engage in singing and in musical worship by saying that, well, I worship the Lord with how I am during the week. I, I worship in, in this way. Like, worship's a lifestyle. I agree with you, it is a lifestyle, but as we'll go through tonight, I'll try to make the case that music and singing is very, very, very important. I don't believe that when we get to heaven and we see the Lord for who he really is, that there will be people walking around saying, I'm just going to worship him by like just keeping my mansion clean. I think we are all going to be on our faces worshiping as hard as we, as hard as we can. And uh, our goal should be the praise up there, we bring it here. Our praise should be the same. As we get to know Christ more and more through our lives, our praise should, should grow with us. Amen? Um, so, as we focus specifically on music, I would propose to you the question, why do we sing? How, why is it that on any Sunday morning, any of us could go to any church in the area and walk in, and there's instruments, that there's a, a band scene, that there's, there's music going on? Why don't we have prayers that we memorize, and we all come in, and for maybe five minutes, two minutes, we all just recite prayers together? Have you thought about it? Why do we sing? Hey, Bailey, I'm going to get to that one. Did you know that Christianity is known as the, the singing religion? that for centuries, the Christian faith has been known as the faith of the people who sing, that we've sung all through uh, the generations, and we'll, we'll look at tonight at all the songs that are in Scripture. Uh, we're going to cover, as I, I fly through them, there's going to be seven gifts that the, the Lord has given us through music and through singing, and I'd like to cover those. But first, before we get into the seven things, I think it's uh, the best example is we always look to Christ, right? We always look to our our Father for for an example of, well, if I'm supposed to do this, wouldn't I see this pattern in in Jesus' life? So before I get into the seven, I first want to just cover that so we we see our greatest example. If you want to turn with me to Zephaniah 3.17, Yeah, that's in the Bible, believe it or not. It says, The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. How cool is that? That our Father sings over us. He will quiet us with His love, and He will rejoice over us with singing. I think that's pretty pretty awesome. Uh, and then in Hebrews 2.12, it's attributed to Jesus. He's saying it's Psalm 22.22, but it's attributed to Jesus who's saying this. It says, I will declare your name to my brethren, calling us as brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Awesome picture of the Trinity that we have Jesus who's declaring and praising the Father, even though they're one. He's praising the Father in the assembly. A great exa- example for us that we should be singing praises and directing glory to the Father. And then in both Matthew and Mark, the, the, it's accounted in both of those that Jesus, right after the, the first 
the Last Supper, before they go to the Mount of Olives, the last thing they do, does anybody know the last thing they do? I guess I'm probably giving it away with the topic of tonight. They, yeah, they sing a hymn together before they go to Mount of Olives. Jesus with his 12 disciples, Jesus with his 12 guys, they sing a song together. How awesome. So we see singing in Scripture. So uh, that's just what our, uh, we can see our Father, we can see Jesus singing. Did you know that there's over 400 references to singing in Scripture? Not music, singing. There's over 400 references to singing, and there's over 50 commands to sing in scripture. Do you know that there's 185 songs in scripture, and those are just the ones that are, it's actually written that this is a song. That's not accounting for any ones that we can tell are poetic. That's not counting those. So there's probably much more, but just of the ones that are attributed as songs through scripture is 185. A little fun fact, the first song, does anybody know the first song in scripture? Do you know when? In the garden, uh, one of them I brought us to our lives. She saw the trouble because she was taken out of the land. That, that's not one attribute. That's one that the poetic, but the song, the first song is when Moses, they, they pass through the Red Sea and Moses, at, once they get to their side, they rejoice and they sing a song together. And what's really cool I, maybe I'm nerding out on this stuff. But what's really rad is then the last song in Scripture. It's cool how the Lord bookends this stuff. The last song in Scripture is when John, in Revelation, John sees those who conquered the beast, and they sing the song of Moses. So it's Moses, Moses, song of Moses, song of Moses. The lyrics on the, the one in Revelation are different, but it's pretty neat, right? So we see song in Scripture. The, the music matters. We look at uh, the Bible, and there's the longest book in Scripture is a book of, of poems and songs. You see that in Psalm. You imagine if I, if I tragically, my wife won't like me saying this, if, if I tragically die on the, on the drive home down the grade tonight, and uh, my kids grow up only having a book from me, and, and it's got stuff in it, but the biggest and longest chapter in that book say is a song, and there's like a song about my wife, there's a song about Everly, my daughter, there's a song about Jesus, there's a song about his faithfulness, there's a song about his redemption. If that's all my kids knew me by, they would, for one, go, they would look at the content, and they would say like, wow, dad really loved mom. And like, wow, dad really loved me. And dad really loved the Lord. He really loved Jesus, and, and he really looked to him to sustain him. But they would also see music really spoke to dad. This, the longest chapter, all these songs, like music did something for him. And so as believers, we should look to our father. And I think we can take away the same thing, that music meant something to our Lord as, as he's given us this gift. So music matters. Uh, real quick, uh, getting back to our defining terms. So we're going to dive into music. We're going to dive into those seven things that I've I've pulled out as probably like the, the seven things that I noticed right off the bat with, with music and worship. Um, but first, let's understand music. Uh, because again, there's so many opinions in this room. So music first is for everybody. It's not for the artistic. It's not for the elite. It's not for the gifted. It's not something that you can watch someone else enjoy, but I, I'm not musical. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Music is common grace. It's given to all of us. It's, it's unbelievers enjoy music. Everybody enjoys music. Now, we can abuse it like anything else in common grace. We can abuse it, but it's a gift that we've been given from creation that we all can enjoy. So don't sell yourself short and think that, well, I don't play anything, and I don't, you don't feel like you have a good voice. Uh, music is for everybody. Music, uh, and this is where I definitely geek out on this, is music is, uh, it's organized sound. So if this is the spectrum of what we can see visually, then this is the spectrum of what we're actually able to hear audibly. Our ears can hear far more than what our eyes actually can see. And you would, you'd probably think it's different, but it's not. 
we can hear from, uh, sound is measured in, in waves, so we can hear all the way down from 20 hertz, which is really low, and to where we hear roughly all the way up to 20,000 hertz. That's the spectrum of frequencies that we can hear. So what happens is I hit, let me pull this over here because I'm going to be using this tonight. I hit this guy. This vibrates. This is like the, the pebble in the puddle. This is then hitting the air molecules, causing all the air molecules to move. It's going out to all of you. That's going through the air. It hits your eardrum. That goes into your eardrum, translates that, goes to your brain, and it tells you, John just hit a low guitar string. That's what you're hearing. So that's all of sound, and everything is encompassed in those, those freq that frequency range that I was told you about. Uh, does anybody know, is everybody familiar with what white noise is? So white noise, Dave knows. Here, Dave, let me, uh, if you want to bring this down a little bit and then bring it back up. So I want you to listen to this and tell me what you, what it sounds like to you. This is white noise. Ocean. What else? Give me other adjectives. It's, there's no wrong answer. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Anything else? Anybody have anything else? <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> Dude, Bailey, he is. Yeah, to me, it's, uh, I think all those work. To me, it sounds like, I don't know, like this. I think like the, the TV static thing, it sounds kind of chaotic. This to me is the first thing that points me to, to Christ, where music points me to my creator, is everything you've ever heard and everything you ever will hear was in that. That's, that's every frequency that your ear can hear. My voice is in there somewhere. Everything you've ever heard is in that. And I think the Lord, uh, we know our God is a God of order. And we know our God is a God of creation. He's very creative. Everything that was made was made by the word, which is Jesus. And I think he's given us this opportunity where you have almost this chaotic thing. And then he, he's given us the ability and the creativity to make structure out of that. And from that, we get symphonies, we get songs, we get voices. Everything you've ever heard has come out of that. And it, it's, it's allowing us to reflect him in putting things in order and being creative, which is so cool. I think it's on purpose that uh, the Bible didn't come with uh, a CD of all the music that's supposed to accompany the Psalms. I think he left it open for us that, hey— create. Be creative. I've given you this gift. Be creative. Um, so let's go into it. Let's seven things. I don't have to fly through these, but we'll have seven things if you want to write them down. Cool. If you want to come get them from me afterwards, I'm fine with that too, but we'll go through these seven things real quick that I think uh, we benefit from and also we can offer back to the Lord through music. One, Bailey already said it, which I love. It, it touches our emotions in Job 30, 31, the author says, my harp is tuned to mourning. Music is one of those things where you ever notice that you can be in a good mood, but you can enjoy sad music. Uh, it was like a couple years ago, there was an Adele song that was just all the rage, and it was so depressing, but everybody loved it, and there was like spoofs all about this song. That's, music is very cathartic in that way to where we can enjoy sad music. What happens is, is that we, we relate to the, the music, and, and it draws us, it can draw us out of uh, our depression. So Job in here, the author, is being, uh, it's, it's more of a, of a metaphor, but we can see the, the impact of music. I think a better example of this even is in First uh, Samuel 16, this is the story where David uh, would come and play for Saul. Uh, it says, David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing, distressing spirit would depart from him. Like, that's pretty cool. Uh, it's not weird, voodoo, weird stuff. This is a gift of music that the Lord blessed David 
to be a skillful player. As David's watching those sheep, he's out there just playing this thing, just having fun, getting good at his harp. And then the Lord uses music to, to bring David into a place where he can speak into someone's life. And ultimately, we see the, the path that the Lord has for David. But he used music uh, to have David in front of Saul and to minister to Saul without words. How neat that David is ministering with just, just music. Uh, I'll give you some examples where present day, um, how emotionally music can, can engage us. Uh, if I were to say, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. It's a cool, it's a cool statement. Yep, America. Now, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. It has more effect, right? We hear, we hear that like, free. You hear stadiums scream at that part. The music engages us emotionally. The music hits us in the heart, and it's, uh, it's not manufactured. The Lord created it that way. Um, you also think about, think of the words uh, to Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Beautiful. But amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I want. Do we, do we identify with the saved a wretch like me? The way those notes go up, it's like, yeah, that's me. I was a wretch, and he pursued me, and he redeemed me. The music speaks to us. Uh, I can even give you a, an example how we can mismatch them. There's a, oh, we did it tonight. How can I keep from singing your praise? Now, Watch how disjointed I can make this just by manipulating music. How can I keep from singing your praise? And how could I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? And how can I keep? It affects you differently, right? Same words. How can I keep from singing goes from rejoiceful. How can I keep, how can I stay quiet to uh, somber, to uh, introspective? How can I keep from singing just by, by changing chords? That's the power of music. Um, secondly, it helps us remember. I love this scripture. It's Deuteronomy 31, 19. Uh, this is where the Lord's telling Moses, hey, your time's coming. You're going to hand this over to Joshua. And, hey, the people are going to rebel. And they're going to they're transgress against me. They're going to forget my covenant I have with them. And this is what he tells them to do. Now, therefore, write down this song for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel when I have brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey of which I swore to their fathers and they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat. Then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. Then it shall be, when many evils and troubles have come upon them, that this song will testify against them as a witness. For it is not to be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants. For I know the inclination of their behavior today, even before I have brought them to the land of which I swore to give them. Therefore, Moses wrote the song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. That through everything they were going to go through, the Lord said, hey, teach them this song. Because as they're just rebelling, as they're going away, as they're running from me, the thing that's going to be ringing out over and over that's going to testify against their actions is this tune. This tune's going to be going through their head, just witnessing to them, telling them, like, this is the, this is the true God. The Lord has given a song that we can remember. We can remember his truths. Uh, 
we all know, I, I don't have any examples because I don't think there would be any specific song that would witness to all of us, but you all know that when you hear a certain song, you can transport kind of back to the time and place you heard that song. There's a special song for you, whether it was your first dance at your wedding, there was a song playing when your kid was born. Uh, for me, uh, one of them is my mom loved to listen to oldies on our drive to the beach. So whenever she listened to K-Earth 101, and so whenever... I hear oldies, I think of the beach, and I think of my mom. That's, music does that to us. It's like these, these time stamps in our life that we can use, and it causes us to remember. That's why we see Moses, as they go through the Red Sea, they sing. It's marking a time like, look, the Lord was faithful here. Let's remember this. The Lord was faithful. And how are we going to remember this best? Let's, let's write and sing a song right now. Let's do it. It helps us remember. Uh, I've experienced this recently in my life with, uh, with my dad with Alzheimer's is that he, uh, he recently he passed out, fell, hit his head on Monday. So I had to go to the ER and he had to get CAT scans to make sure he's fine. He's, he's totally good. He's back in the home. Everything's fine. But when he was getting re- restless, his favorite artist growing up, we wore this guy out, was Stephen Curtis Chapman. I, we played Stephen Curtis Chapman constantly and so while he's kind of squirming as they're trying to get an IV in him, I just put Stephen Curtis Chapman on my phone and set it next to his ear. And my dad just calms down. You can see his fingers tapping to the beat. It, it brings us, that's affecting my dad whose brain is just jumbled up right now. It's still music reached through and, and grabbed him. It causes us to remember. Uh, we use it. The world uses it. Uh, Da, na, 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 na. What am I, what does that make you think of? Yep, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and ABCs. We use songs to teach our kids. It's, it's, the, it's, it's known world over that like, hey, if you want to remember something, put a tune to it. You'll get it. I don't know if any of you have heard of the, the Mozart effect, but it's, uh, it's where they think that as we, um, that math scores have gone up with students who listen to classical music while they're studying. Uh, there's even studies that have shown that the, uh, that the brain of people who engage in music regularly is more symmetrical. And the reason for that is when I'm, like, as I'm speaking to you now, there's one part of my brain that's firing when we're driving, there's another part of our brain that's firing. When we're making a decision at a restaurant, there's another brain that's firing. And there's all different parts of our brain that fire for different activities. Music is one of the select things that when you engage in music, your entire brain lights up. Every part of your brain turns on. Pretty rad how the Lord uses that. Uh, so my challenge in that it helps us remember, and this is just definitely a worship pastor moment for me, is if you guys notice on Sundays or Wednesdays, you rarely see him up here. Maybe once in a while you will, but I, I really try to have the worship team not have worship team not have charts or music in front of them. And my point for doing that is you know more than you think you know. And it's so freeing to get off of paper and to really engage in worship. We can get stuck. As musicians, I'll tell you up here, we can get stuck. I can get stuck. If I put music in front of me, I can get stuck in just a reading mentality. Just da 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 Okay, here, 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 here. I don't want to do that. I want to be freed up to worship. So I practice, and I go over the songs. I would encourage you guys— Trust me, you know the songs better than you think. Don't be dependent on the screens. Don't stare at the screens the whole time during worship. Listen to songs during the, uh, during the week. Uh, I'll give any of you, I'll give you a list of songs that we regularly do um, that you can go look up. But don't be dependent on these screens. You know more than you think you know. Uh, as these songs, we do them over and over, they'll, you'll remember them, and it will free you up to, instead of staring at words, to really marinate on the words that we're saying, which is so huge. Uh, the words really, really, really matter. Music supports the word. Does that make sense? Is that I'm not trying to today to elevate music, is that it's, 
it's above the word. We have the word, and the Lord's given us music to support and to come and make bigger and greater the words. Amen? Uh, third thing. Wait. What number am I on? Nope, not third thing. Uh, well, actually this. So it, it helps us remember. It allows us to focus on words. So just as I was doing before when I said Amazing Grace and then I, I sang it, in music, we're not only bound to melody, but we're bound to time. So if that's our tempo, if that's our meter, then it, it allows us and it causes us to, to draw outwards. If I were to speak the same way we sing, you would think there was something wrong with me. Amazing grace, how sweet. You're like, whoa. But as we sing, it's beautiful. It allows us to marinate on the words that we're singing. It also allows us to be repetitive. One, one uh, conversation I, I seem to always find myself in is when someone's talking with worship with me, um, and I'm, I, I'm trying not to vilify this as I say it, uh, is that I'll get, a, com- I'll get a, co- a common complaint. Let me just say that. A common complaint with contemporary music is that it's, oh, it's so repetitive. It's just like the same thing over and over and over again, which I totally get. But my pushback is you look at songs in scripture, very repetitive, very repetitive. You see songs and revelations that these angels are singing over and over and over and over and over again, a few words. Uh, When we see the Lord for who he really is, the complexity of our words doesn't mean anything. It's a heart condition. As we sing, holy, 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 holy. We can sing holy for eternity because that's what he is. He's, we're not wowing him with our, with our language, with the just how, like, whoa, like how cool. I think it's awesome that we have a lot of cool words, but repetition isn't bad. Um, another example for you, if I were to say, be glorified, be glorified, be glorified, be glorified. You would then think, wow, he has a stuttering problem. But another gift of how music helps us is then be glorified. Be glorified. Be glorified. Be glorified. Be glorified in the heavens. Beautiful, right? We can sing that over and over and over again. And it, it, instead of the words feeling repetitive, at least to me, they get stronger and stronger with meaning the more I say them. Be glorified. Be glorified. And the more I sing it, the more impact it has on my own heart. So it allows us to focus on the words. So we have... It touches our emotions, it helps us remember, and it allows us to focus on the words. Uh, fourth, it unites us. Ephesians five eighteen through 20. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all the things, the, things to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Teaching and admonishing one another with songs. Like we learn through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He's telling us to uh, as we focus, our, our focus through worship is the Father. Our focus is Christ, that we look to Christ. But he's created music in a way that it's not this individual him and him alone. We do it corporately, and we're blessing each other. There is a horizontal unity that's happening as we vertically uh, fix our eyes on Christ and sing to him and unite through melody and through lyric that we're all singing together. We are becoming united, teaching and admonishing one another as we're singing songs of truth to where uh, I'm standing here and the person next to me, I'm going through a really hard time uh, just 
trial after trial is happening in my life, the person next to me is singing, I will look up and I will look back and see that you are faithful. I look ahead believing that you're able, Jesus, Lord of all. And that witnesses to me like, yeah, I can look back. I can see that you're faithful. I can look ahead. I can believe that you're able. And this person who is, is glorifying their father is teaching and admonishing me who is strengthening me. It's our responsibility I would go as far as to say that. It's our responsibility as believers that when we come to worship, when, during the time of worship, that we not waste it. That you are, that every voice in here matters. It matters, our worship. It matters to not only the Father as we, we should be jumping at the opportunity to worship him, but it matters as we witness and teach and we admonish our, our brothers and sisters who we're here with to sharpen and to encourage. Amen? Uh, we see the unity in, again, I'm, I'm, I just keep trying to bring it back to real-world uh, scenarios where we see it even outside of the church. Uh, you go to a baseball game, seventh inning, what's happening? Seventh inning stretch, and what does everybody do? Everybody, st- a whole stadium of strangers, whole stadium of people who don't know anything about each other, will never meet each other probably ever again, Everybody stands up together and sings a song together. And there's like this whole stadium of camaraderie. Yeah, take me out to the ball game. As you guys are all, everybody sings that together. It's unifying. Uh, you also see it in you walk into a restaurant and again, full of strangers. And all you have to tell a server is you just have to say, hey, it's so-and-so's birthday. And what happens? It, it triggers like, we're going to sing a song. And so then they go and get all the servers. And, and if the restaurant is full of cool enough people, the whole restaurant will join in singing a song to you or your friend as they unify. It's, it's very unifying. We can even go further. Uh, playing music is proven to, singing or playing music is proven to stimulate the brain hormone oxytocin. And oxytocin is known as the, the truth molecule, the trust molecule or the moral molecule. And it says it, it helps us bond with others and it increases our feelings of generosity and trustworthiness. Uh, I don't, hopefully that doesn't ruin it for you. I'm not saying that, that the Lord can operate outside of uh, the chemicals and the, the natural reactions that we can find with science, but I think it's awesome that he's, he's created everything. That the Lord, that's, that to me doesn't disprove anything. That proves to me that there's a God who is purposeful. Who, who knew, like, hey, I created music, and I'm going to create this chemical reaction that when you engage in music with your brother, that chemically there's a reaction that happens that you, you bond together. How neat is that? That we can bond together through music. So we have touches our emotions, helps us remember, allows us to focus on words, it unites us, and encapsulates our theology Uh, Gordon Fee said, show me a church's song and I'll show you their theology. I think that's a very, very, very true statement. Uh, As we, as I was saying before, words matter. We can, you could walk into a church and you can know by the lyrics to their songs that they sing their theology. Um, You can know that if every song is us-centered, is pointed at us, you better believe that that church is man-centered, that is looking to man, that, that the goal in life is what God can do for me. Uh, I, I try my best to um, really look through songs as, as we sing songs. There's been some songs, I, I'll be honest with you, there's been songs that I thought the music was awesome and I wanted to introduce here, and I can't do it because... Uh, the words are shallow. The theology doesn't even have to be way off. The theology is just like a tiny bit off. And to me, I'd rather write an original song that I know is sound that, that's birthed out of here than compromising doctrinal truths that we're singing and declaring together. It encapsulates our theology. We can see this in uh, the song, Never Let Go. Oh no, you never let go through the coming, through the storm. That's, that points us straight to Romans 8, where it's not, neither death nor, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor height nor depth or anything else can separate us from the love of Christ. That points us to that, where we have Jesus Messiah, 
Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven. It points us to our Redeemer. It points us to Romans 5, 8, that, that God sent his Son in the midst of our sin, that he would show his love for us then. That he's our Redeemer. He's a rescue for sinners. We see it in uh, that song, Mighty Warrior, that we sing. Our God, a mighty warrior, you're a consuming fire. In victory you reign, we triumph in your name. That it's only through Christ that we can't intellectually get somewhere that, that victory comes through us. We only achieve victory through the name of Christ. We triumph in his name and in his name alone. These songs point us to doctrinal truths that hopefully, I know I do, hopefully as you encounter situations in life, hopefully you can look back on these songs as they come to your remembrance and these songs can encourage you and point you to scripture that will walk you through. These songs will point you to Christ as we sing doctrinal truths. So we've got touches our emotions, helps us remember, allows us to focus on the words, unites us, encapsulates our theology, and then uh, number six, which I think is the biggest one, and this is, should be our goal in everything in life, is it glorifies the Father. Um, Alan Ross, in his book, Recalling the Hope of Glory, says, if we even begin to comprehend the risen Christ in all his glory, or faintly hear the heaven's choirs that surround the throne with their anthems of praise, or imagine what life in the presence of the Lord will be like, then we can never again be satisfied with worship as usual. We will always be striving to make our worship fit for glory, and we always will be aware that our efforts, no matter how good and noble, are still of this world and not yet of that one. I remember having a conversation with Pastor Brett. We were surfing out in the water, and this was the topic of our conversation, just talking about worship and engaging the worship and encouraging the body to engage in worship. And we both landed on this exact quote. If we just got a glimpse, if we had a glimpse of Jesus, it would be over. You, you couldn't get anybody off the ground. We would be on the floor worshiping. If we got a glimpse, it says in here, if we just got a little bit of the sound of the angels singing to heaven, we would fall on our faces. Our goal should be, should be to bring the praise and the glory that's happening in heaven to earth. And we should try our best. And even though we'll never achieve it on this earth, we should go after it. We should go get it. Uh, Psalm 96 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. He's saying, glorify the Lord. Yeah, he's singing, but the point of that is like, hey, sing to him. He's worthy. Psalms 47 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, who he loves. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nation. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together. The people of God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. I mean, listen to the heart in that. It is everything about that is pointing to our Redeemer, is pointing to the one who saves, is pointing to our Savior, that he is worthy. Sing praises to him. Sing praise. Repeats over and over. Glorify him. Sing praise. He's worthy. Our worship should glorify the Father. And if there's any one of those five things before that, if there's any one of these six things that you would take away so far, is that praise and sing to the Father because he's worthy. See him for who he really is as we go back to our definition of worship, a true response to who God really is. Ask the Lord, if you struggle with worship, if you struggle with singing, which I get it, uh, I'm not, don't let me shame you at all, like I get it, but don't stay the same. Ask the Lord, Lord, would you show me more of you 
that you would cause praise to forever be on my lips? Would you cause me to see you more of who you are that my reaction would be to glorify you, to lift you up, that I wouldn't be restrained by uh, feeling intimidated by, by the song or be intimidated by my voice, but Lord, that my reaction would be to glorify you because you're worthy and I want to worship you that way. The Lord will walk you through it. He'll stretch you and he'll, he'll help you and we'll, we'll all grow together and this church will be a church of, of praise and of worship, of songs, and we can resemble this, this verse of sing praises, sing praise to our God, sing praises. Amen? Amen. And then... Okay, I have time. Okay, so lastly, I'm close. I was wondering how my time was going to work out, and I think I'm okay. Uh, Lastly, and this one I want to hang out on uh, just for a minute, because I think it points to present day. It's what we're going through as a community. I think it's what we're going through as a country. Um, So we're going to walk through it a little bit. Praise and worship, music and singing, points us to our only source of strength. We see this in Joshua 6.20. Uh, we all know the story of the walls of Jericho, that the, they're marching around, and they, they blow the trumpets, and the walls fall down, right? So we see it there. We also see it in Acts 16.25. This is Paul and Silas. They're in the jail, and they're, they're shackled. They're chained up, and what are they doing? Singing, singing psalms and hymns, and, and the Lord shakes the place, loosens the shackles, flings open the doors. We know the rest of that story. Uh, the one I want to focus on is in Second Chronicles 20. If you want to turn there, go ahead and turn there. I'm going to just kind of walk you through and describe the scene that we're walking into. So in Second Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat is the king. He's a good king. Um, he's the king of Judah. And he, the Lord has, uh, is showing Judah favor and not allowing the enemies to attack Judah. Well, in 20... The Moabites and the Ammonites decide they're going to attack Judah and they're going to attack Jericho. And Jehoshaphat is worried because this is a formidable force that's coming against them. They will not make it through this. These armies are going to come and devastate Judah. So Jehoshaphat, being a good king, goes before the Lord, prays, falls before the Lord, seeks the Lord. And then through Jehazi's Hazel, I think that's how you say his name. Anyway, he comes with a word from the Lord saying, hey, Jehoshaphat, don't worry. God said he's got this. You don't, you're not going to have to lift a finger. He's going to take care of your enemies for you. And what happens next, I think, is so awesome. Jehoshaphat falls on his face and begins worshiping. And all of Judah has gathered. This, this is a big deal. All of Judah has come together seeking the Lord because they know they're in trouble. And as Jehoshaphat falls on his face and worships the Lord, all of Judah falls on their face and worships the Lord. And then this one group, the Kohathites, who are sons of Levi, so the Levites, they stand to their feet and with a loud voice start praising and thanking the Lord. Now, the Levites, a quick backstory in 1 Chronicles, we learn that David appoints uh, certain Levites specifically for praise and worship. He tells them, hey, you're gonna, your thing now, you guys are skilled on your instruments, your thing is going to be, I want you worshiping and praising. You're going to be the, the ones who lift up the voices, who praise the name of our Lord and King. That is your job. That's what you do. And, and it goes through these families as they, they train each other. And so the Kohathites are, son, are descendants of the Levites. So the Kohathites are these Levites that stand up when all of Judah's on their faces. They stand up and they worship. So then the next morning, they get up really early. They go out to the battlefield. And Jehoshaphat then makes the craziest decision in the world and puts the musicians... They can see the Moabites and the Ammonites. And then Jehoshaphat looks and he talks to everybody and he goes, okay, you musicians, you're going to go out there and you're going to sing these praises. And you musicians, you're, you're going to go out there in the front and you're going to sing these worship songs. And the front line is full of the musicians. Now in scripture, I know I can sometimes, and 
maybe you can relate to me. Sometimes there, there's so much distance between when that happened in history and us now that we don't think they're fairy tales, but we, we, we fail to, I think, make the full connection that this is real history. Like, this really happened. Uh, so if I can try to bring it present day, we just had Sam Blair, a Navy SEAL, speak on Sunday, if you were here on Sunday. So walk with me through this crazy scenario. We're in church here. The world goes haywire. The church is surrounded with people that want to kill us. But Sam and SEAL Team 5 happens to be here in all their fatigues. They've got their rifles, their helmets, their night vision. They're just, they're ready to go. And everybody's like, oh man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and we look to Rob because they're like, hey, aren't you in charge here? We look to Rob and Rob goes, okay, SEAL Team 5, you're here. Uh, I don't know what to do. Darby, you go out front. And Keith, how about you go out front? Bring your drumsticks. And Emily, why don't you go out front? And SEAL Team 5 is kind of like, whoa, like we're built for battle. And you're sending, <laughs> like we got some drumsticks and we've got a keyboard and a guitar and I'll, I'll say, I'll give our worship team credit. Of all the worship teams I know, I, this is the last worship team I would mess with. We have some brutes up here, and we have some competitive people, but they're no SEAL team. They're, they're, we're not built for war. But what we are built for, and this is how the Lord just totally turns our reality upside down, or our reality gets turned right side up, actually, I should say, is that as they declare, Lord, our hope is in you. You're our only source. You're the, we can, we can train all we want. We can intellectualize all we want. What's going to happen to this country? Uh, this is our strategy that this is what we're going to do to get this person in office. And, and it's all well and good. But if you think for one second that by our own intellect, by our own strength, that we're just going to make things happen and, and this world's going to be right as rain because of our own wisdom, you have missed, you have missed the point. Our focus should be on, Lord, it's only you that can do this work. It is only you, Holy Spirit, empowering us that this can happen. We cannot do this on our own. And Jehoshaphat got that. And what's awesome is that it wasn't, they stood there, the musicians stood there, and then when the battle was over, then they were like, hey, he came through. How cool. Like, he actually is faithful to what he said. That's not what happened. It says, as soon as they started praising and worshiping, the Lord sent confusion, and they all turned in on each other the, and, and killed each other. It's once they started praising that our praise points us to our only source of strength. We see that with Paul and Silas. We see that in Jericho. We see that uh, in Second Chronicles with Judah and King Jehoshaphat. So as you encounter trials in your life, as we're going into this time where our, our culture seems divided by color, where, where we're going into this crazy election and, and we're, uh, we're identifying as a certain party and, and it's just like division is just seems like it's getting greater and greater and greater. I, I confess myself, I, there's times where I go, man, how do you, like, I can't even have a productive conversation with somebody because the division is so great. It's so heated. But then I look back and look, nope, Lord, in a moment, you can change a person's heart. In a moment, you can redeem somebody. In a moment, you can, you can cause the enemies, the, the, the ones in this world that are causing division, you can cause them confusion. And in a moment, you are in control. You have your way. You're my source of strength. And as I keep my eyes on you, he's going to take care of it. Amen? So he's our source of strength. So quickly, it touches our emotions. It helps us remember. It focuses us on the words. It unites us. It encapsulates our theology, and it glorifies the Father. Now, in all of this, let me tell you, you don't have to be a good singer to engage in this. You don't have to be a good singer. Uh, probably the biggest hurdle that I would say we run into, uh, I thank the Lord that I'm blessed that he's making me musically inclined, 
where I enjoy, but I totally understand that how much I enjoy music is not the same as some of you, but having a good voice does not matter. My daughter, Everly, just started humming and picking up that daddy sings a lot and that we have a lot of music going on in the house. And so when she's laying there on the changing table and going, just humming through stuff, my response is not, what are you singing? Those aren't even the right words. (laughs) My response has never been like, what melody is that? Like, stop. Your voice, I don't think that. What do you think my response is? It's like, it's quiet everything. Like, quiet, quiet, quiet. Do you hear her? She's singing. She's singing. That's what our father does. We gather here on Wednesday nights, on Sunday mornings. Hopefully you're doing it throughout the week. You, and throughout the week, you can pick any song you want to worship to at all. If you don't like the songs that I do here, you have a whole week that you can do whatever songs you like to worship to. But the Lord goes, hey, hey, they're singing to me. They're singing. And you can think you have the worst voice, and the Father is just going like, that is beautiful. I love it. My kids are singing. Do you hear them? They're singing to me. They're glorifying me. I love it. It's beautiful. He enjoys it. You don't have to be a good singer. Your, I love this statement. Your sacrifice of praise does not hang on your skill, but on the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. Your praise, the amount of praise that you can give the Father, is not on your skill. I am not equipped. I don't praise better than anybody. I don't praise better than someone who absolutely cannot sing. My praise isn't somehow better. It has nothing to do with our skill. I, I lead and we strive for excellence as a worship team and practice our craft, craft, hopefully, so that we're not a distraction, so that we can help unite all the voices. That's my goal, is that I unite everybody, that we, we all sing together, that we're doing songs where the melodies are catchy and that they're easy and they're songs of truth. That's, that's my goal. But it doesn't mean as, that as a worship leader that somehow my praise is more, is better. Like, oh, Tim's praise is okay, but have you heard Tom's praise? It, it's not that. It's based on the sacrificial work of Christ, which is free to all of us. It's, it's with anything else in our Christianity. It's not based on our works, but it's based on what Christ did, and that enables us. So in closing... I challenge you to stretch yourself. Hopefully, uh, you've been pushed with with love tonight, but I challenge you to step outside your comfort and to seek the Lord, ask him to help you, and and stretch you in worship. I've, I've learned there's basically two types of people, and you kind of fall somewhere in there or like somewhere in the middle um, where we're kind of mind-oriented or heart-oriented, if I, can, if I can put it that way, to where the gospel, true doctrine penetrates. And for some of you, it may penetrate your heart first, or more, I could say. And your heart is inflamed. As, as we worship, your heart is just inflamed, and you, you worship hard, and you worship with everything you have. For you— I would challenge you, let that inflamed heart cause you to have an informed mind. I would challenge you to, to look more at the words that you're saying. Um, not demeaning your feelings, not demeaning the emotional attachment that you have to it, but I would ask you, hey, think about the stuff that you're saying, because your heart's engaged. Engage your mind. And then vice versa. There's some of you here that as we sing songs— you may be patiently waiting for the worship time to end so we can get to the important part of diving into the word and the sermon, and you are mind-oriented. I would challenge you that as we go through worship to allow the truth of the songs that are being sung to inform your mind, but let that trickle down and inflame your heart as we sing songs of how great how awesome he is. As we sing songs of how our Savior has redeemed us when we were at our worst, it's, you, you hear me all the time reference it, but Romans 5, 8, I love it, is God, uh, 
showed his love for us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. That truth, as we sing songs that point to that truth, that should then cause our hearts to grow ablaze in thoughts of awe, in thoughts of wonder, in thoughts of gratitude, in feelings of gratitude and wonder and splendor, that look at the great and mighty God that we serve. So, in closing, we have uh, 10 minutes left. Um, I pray tonight that we all got something through it. I pray that the Holy Spirit spoke through me, and I I genuinely pray um, that we as a body never become apathetic or complacent with the place that we're at in worship. I, I, I pray that the Lord continues to grow me as a worship leader. I, I continually ask him to raise me up to a better worship leader that I can bless and lead you all better. Um, <clears throat> I'm so very, very, very grateful for this church and uh, how the love that's been poured out on me and my family, and it blesses me so much. It's not about me, but it does edify me as we covered that it unifies us. It does edify me when, when this place is full of voices that are singing and praising our Father. It is, it's beautiful. It is, it is truly, truly, truly beautiful. And so I encourage you, if if you feel like you can't sing, press through it. It might be uncomfortable. I totally get it. But come on, we're not called to a life of comfort. What about Christianity is comfortable? What about it says, hey, just do what feels right? Nothing. So I can't think of a better way to use our last 10 minutes. Let's sing together. Amen.